actually it becomes a lot more the range of your of your choices a mm. lot further. So so yeah, maybe there's lots of places you could check out. Um, I mean, yeah, I would love to. I love a bike, good bike ride to anywhere I'd go. Have, that's have city life. So to confirm, basically, have Adway going to get a new office? Have they decided where they're going to be or what? what's the story there? Yes, and uh, we hope we have Ashling with us on the chat or perhaps the Cardiff team. Can you give me the location on the new office? It's like signed today. That's oh. why I don't have the exact new address. But um, How exciting. I've heard it's really good. It's really cool. Hopefully, that'll be where we meet uh, in our exclusive Adway talk in a couple of weeks, Hung. Mm -hmm. so then we'll know more exactly right um very very exciting sarah we have to uh, uh take this conversation offline and talk a little yeah. bit more because you told me about a party we're gonna do it when you arrive okay um but anyway we're live everybody we are live on bring food live on air it is episode 200 i just noticed this i thank you very much michael for even saying so on the chat stream oh, it, is. it is episode 200 can you believe it it's our bicentennial is how you call it wow. we've done 200 live streams on this channel folks Thank you so much for all of your support and for following uh, the conversation and, in fact, taking part in the conversation. I am now convinced um, that the best thing that I can do is to create opportunities for other people to have connections and conversations. Um, so the fact that everyone's piling in and enjoying and getting learning uh, from these types of talks is Love that. fantastic. We're going to keep going. Uh, every week, no fail. So this week, we're going to move it to Thursday. So surprise to everyone who's still thinking this might be Friday. But of course, it's Good Friday uh, this week. It's a big, long Easter weekend for a lot of people in Europe. Um, so hence, we thought we'd move the event today rather than interfere with people's festivities and what is likely to be a very long weekend for everybody. So, um, okay, listen, um, great to see you all here. Let me just do some sound checks real quick. Um, you should see myself and Sarah Dalsfeld on screen. If you can see both of us, please let us know in the chat stream on Crowdcast. If you're watching this on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you are, do let me know there whether you can hear and see us okay. Just pop a comment in and say, look, home, you're fine. Get on with the show. That's all good. Oh, to uh, the coolest studio, you know, such false. Have you seen Sarah's studio? Is this the point? Can I point this way? I'll it's not green way. screen. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I'm, I'm humiliated by this off-white, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> I like it. I mean. Do you know what's going to happen? Once I renovate my property, I'm actually going to spend uh, money and I'm going to hire a street artist to do this oh, to do this work. Oh yeah. Um, I like and I know the guy, there's loads of artists on 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 this area and I already know the person I want to say so listen, okay, I'm going to spend a bit of money. You you paint me an original on here and that will be what people will see. Anyway, that's all oh. good. Uh let's uh, let's carry on. Uh, sorry, you've actually got a job to do. Um, yeah. unbeknownst to you, you've got a couple of things to do because you are also Adway is also the sponsor of this week's show. Mm -hmm. So we always say thank you to our sponsors. But now you're also the co-host. You've got an opportunity to tell the audience about Adway, what it is and why people should care about it. Yeah, cool. I would love to. And I would love to hear your pitch as well, Hung. I mean, I love when you pitch Adway. Well, should I go first? I think you should just go ahead. You <laughs> deliver it. The, the, the audience wants to hear it from the horse's mouth here. 
Okay, let's do it. I'll be the horse. So we at Adway, we've helped over 200 companies around the world solve some of their biggest talent acquisition challenges, basically. And our data is clear. A scalable recruitment strategy is directly dependent on automated social recruitment marketing. We want you to access the entire workforce, and we do this by combining social media job advertising, automation, advanced machine learning software and expertise. And we connect you with the right talent at the right time with scale and speed. So we want you and we want to tell the story for you and we showcase your employer brand to attract the next generation of employees and we want to make something really really hard to be very very easy that sounds, that sounds exactly what we need and by the way folks there's like been a technical issue i believe because uh, linkedin disconnected me from restream just now um and Ooh. i've reconnected it um, and I should still be live. So it may be that there, it was a break in the programming there. Um, so I beg your pardon. Uh, but if you're on LinkedIn and you're watching this there, um, do let me know. Uh, it's super disappointing that that happened like literally today. Um, anyway, uh, let's get on with it. Um, so Sarah, um, let's talk about this particular topic. Um, mm. Because what I wanted to do today um, was really gather together uh, people who are from a little bit more of a technical background, you know, I think yeah. marketing has always been more technical than recruiting and also people who are now working for recruitment technology. So yourself mm. and all of our guests today are from that type of uh, sort of arena. And of the course, best people, the best people, you know, best people. I was just reviewing it. Like recruitment has learned so much from marketing in particular. You know, we've learned about yeah. segmentation. We've learned about A-B testing. We've learned about programmatic. Uh, we've mm. learned about the conversion rates even. I mean, all of that language and all of that concepts are from marketing. Um, and yeah. so I just thought, okay, um, this entire tidal wave of AI has hit us. Um, what does all this mean for us? Recruiters are diving in. But what the heck are recruitment marketers doing? What are recruitment technology folks doing? Um, and, and I guess I wanted to get your view on this because mm, what are your thoughts should. on AI and, and you know, have you applied it as a marketer or as a person in marketing and is Adway doing anything with it as a product? So I guess mm. there's three questions there. A great question. And I always emphasize on the fact that we at in our industry where we are right now we have to evolve to become tech comfortable so whether it's ai generative ai machine learning automation you have to evolve to become tech comfortable in order to actually you know lead the way and be in the forefront so it's not about being a data scientist or me you know sitting with my whole tech team outside the studio knowing everything they know about generative ai it's just about knowing what questions to ask in order to amplify. So basically, yes, we utilize uh, machine learning software solutions and, and generative AI in our solution. I'll come more into it, support of like, how you want to frame it. But basically, we have done everything that we do today manually, and we know how hard it is. So it's 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 literally just uh, um, you know amplifying what we already knew and did and making it very very scalable. So when you're a company like Adway, we do thousands of job advertising um, campaigns uh, per year, and this is not auto publishing. This is not just take a job title and push it out. This is not indeed fetching. This is unique creation per each job title for each desired channel. So hence where the smart and intelligent processes comes in. 
So I would say just like narrow it down. It could sound like, yeah, human versus the machines, but it's basically about knowing what questions to ask. You can amplify and utilize automation where it's needed and it's not needed everywhere. Not at all. I would say hands off as soon as possible. The first like percent, if you were to build like a timeline from your candidate journey or your talent attraction phase, hands off as soon as possible. And then you can be human along the way, because then you've assessed, you've attracted, you've had screening questions, you've, you know, built a process that's built upon science and the best possible solutions. And when, whether you like it or not, you would have a top 10, you know, segmented audience. And then if you need to use your, you know, gut feeling, go ahead, but not when you do job postings. I think that one of the major sort of issues or concerns that people had was always about, okay, does this like remove the human from the process? And probably the one thing that I'm seeing as a criticism, a common criticism is that, you know, you know, recruitment it always needs to be, have the human touch. We always, it's such an important sort of uh, decision that people make. Um, it, you can't just completely run it with a robot or completely automate. So you can be overly efficient and that sometimes can actually lead to bad candidate experience, which ultimately is going to result in people not accepting jobs and not paying attention to, to opportunity. So I think how we've got to play it is really with, with a sense of balance um, and see where see where technology in general. By the way, I love your phrasing, um, Sarah. I've, I've subsequently, you know, uh, AI aware, uh, you know, AI friendly. That is exactly AI comfortable. This is exactly mm -hmm. the terminology that we need to need to adopt yeah. because it's yeah. not about being an expert. Um, no. It's not about pretending to be in a software engineer because that's not where we're, nope. where we're at. Um, but it's about being, okay, here's a tool, learn how to use it, and then, you know, be comfortable with using the tool. Um, because that's or try to do billion advertisers manually. Try me. Yeah. Sit in or business you... manager, do it manually, and I'll happily look. <laughs> While you work, <laughs> you, you can compare. You can compare the pain yeah. um, of doing things otherwise. So I totally get what you're saying. Um, okay, so very very interesting indeed. Um, what what about sort of things on? I mean, where do you see the future of uh, of, of this direction of travel here? We're, we're Love talking about questions. people are saying, okay, it's going to be great for now, but is there a point where actually it starts eating into what people's work? Um, what's your what's your thoughts on that? I mean, so where we come from in recruitment marketing, uh, most e-commerce companies like are still busy doing their transformation. But I mean, we're looking a lot into e-commerce as recruitment marketers. And over the past couple of years, we've seen recruitment marketing evolve from only replication. You follow me here, Ang? Through, I mean, ATS to auto-publishing online to replication templating. So templating in this case means that the job content from the feed is run through custom ad templates to generate several pre-mutations of ads that are meaningful, more beautiful, engaging, and better at attracting talent and displaying employer brand and your corporate ID. So basically everything evolves around personalization, right? So whether you are in e-commerce or in recruitment marketing, you are, if you're in e-commerce, you have 1 billion items to display, right? And each of them conquer with each other, but each has to have their unique buying experience. So if it's a shampoo 
or a piece of shoes. You have to display them in the most engaging way on all the most relevant platforms. And it's not about auto-publishing because that has zero conversion. We have the exact same experience, but for each job. So for instance, our customer have thousands of openings. Some of them are similar. Some of them are on, on quite the same locations, but each has to have their unique ad variations and ad creations and experience in the end for the, the candidates. So to your question, we are moving to personalization and how we enhance that or reach that with the help of automation or tech. That's just a tool we argument, right? So, yeah. You, you know what? The key point you mentioned there, Saro, is the, the fact that auto the job distribution, auto distribution, like we know that's like super ineffective. In yeah. terms of the conversion rate, yeah. like we know that ultimately you crank, you know, press a button and it obviously multi posts everywhere. Great, uh, that saves you a bit of time. Um, yeah. but it's ultimately just making noise and it bounces off people's awareness, they're not, they're not no interested. Conversion. Yeah. Um, so AI, I think, will do you think AI will get to the point where it helps companies become like super personalized so that if something isn't personalized? Mm. it would be perceived as like it, it would no longer even have a chance so for instance if it's not super personalized then it's got zero chance uh, what, what are your thoughts on that i mean I, I i wouldn't say it's ai taking us there it's simply automation ai is just like the next level if you want to take your rational decisions out of it and some might argue there's no such thing as an ai but okay so for me when it comes to well you know uh, compare with yourself have you ever been on instagram or anywhere else where you got an ad right and in that ad you want to do the buy because you just got like 50 percent discount it's a very trusted company you've got a lot of different ads you know nudging you to make that decision so basically if it's not talking to you hung you would never spend a second on that ad why would you you actually uh, and by, by the way i'm gonna get into this because you've just introduced you just suggested <laughs> something that and i did actually buy something uh, the first time ever Naturally. um oh, on okay. on a well, TikTok. You're a it, it, you, do you know what i, I seriously i would i'd never ever this is why i didn't give a, give a damn for ad tracking at all i, I didn't give a give a crap for privacy because I thought it was just totally overblown. It's like I never buy anything that Facebook shows me. So yeah, show me ads. I don't care. You know, you know just our like generation, like um, our Z setters, we hack the system. So basically, I want my discount code. <sighs> so I would go to the site, put some items in the shopping basket, leave uh... the form. What happens then, my friend, is that you get retargeted with a lot of offers. So us in our generation, we're just simply hacking the uh, system. I would never is, buy anything on. Price. This is where Sarah's <laughs> revealed my age because I didn't even think about that. But 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 of course, that's how you do it, folks. That's how you buy stuff. Put it into it. the shopping. Put it yeah. into the shopping basket, yeah. but just never check out. No, never check out, and then never. you get hit with a retarget, and boom. Uh, call me when it's off. Black Week or Black Month in November, and I'll show you how to hack oh, everything. Well, hey, I tell you what, I bet this works on recruit buying recruitment tech as well. Uh, has anyone yes. tried this, folks? Like, if you're a buyer of recruitment technology, take it all the way to checkout, and then just don't check out and see if you get mm -hmm. hit with an offer. And this, my friend, in back. recruitment marketing, if you were to visit a lot of different career sites, like if you say we're going to Apple, right? Like you want to work in tech in Apple. Visit their career site, accept the cookies, and wait. 
uh, tell me, I'm, I'm on tenterhooks, <laughs> what happens? That means, so if they work smartly with automated social group marketing, as they do with that way, they're tracking in place, making sure that the right audience is retargeted with a lot of relevant job offers. So basically, if you're someone out there looking to work at the coolest companies in your life, start visiting career sites and accepting cookies and you are there, my friend. There we go, folks. I need to learn a lot. This is, I told you, I told you marketers know what they're doing, don't they? Um, oh, by the way, we're back on LinkedIn. So thanks for people who are patient and hang around there. I think we had a five minute delay simply because we had a disconnect. It's been reconnected. Aww. You should be able to see it there. Welcome, LinkedIn. Um, yeah, welcome to all the folks on LinkedIn, all the, all the 20 of you that hung around, even though we had hundreds of people signing up. What a catastrophe. Anyway, that's live streaming for you. Um, let's uh, let's bring our guests on. Let's talk about this topic. We've got all these folks coming in. They're from recruitment tech vendors, essentially. And I wanted them to come in and, and what have you been doing with generative AI? Let's have a look at their examples and see uh, what they've got to say for themselves. Um, so let's bring on uh, Martin uh, Redstone, our favorite friend, like the, the lonely evangelist on chatbots before everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Why lonely? He was, talk, he was banging on about it when it was in cool. Um, so I'll give him credit Welcome now. He, he, he's one of those that basically, uh, you know, was there just like constantly by himself um, <laughs> talking about chatbots. Now everyone needs to everyone needs to pile in. But we see Bobby Leonard here. Bobby, great to see you, sir. Wonderful Bobby, to have you on hey. the show. There's Sam Bertold as well. Great to see Sam as well. Hi, hey, hey Sam. Martin should be coming up. Whilst Martin's coming on, let's do some intros. Bobby, why don't you introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Bobby Leonard. Uh, I'm not Jamie Leonard. I'm the younger brother, the better looking brother. Um, I'm the managing director of the recruitment events company uh, with a business behind Wreckfest and the Resourcing Leaders 100. Amazing. And, uh, you know, uh, a younger brother, better looking. You're an upgrade, mate. You're an upgrade. <laughs> uh, okay. Sam, why don't you introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Yeah, awesome. First off, Hung, thanks for having me on such a uh, you know amazing episode number two hundred uh, with yeah. old colleagues and peers. Um, <laughs> and yeah, um, Sam Bertu, I'm the director of account management at HackerJob. So it's potentially, you know, I suppose I look after all existing relationships. That's what's under my remit. Um, and we are a private marketplace for technical talent. Fantastic stuff. And we have Martin Redstone. Martin, great to Hello. see you, sir. Um, quickly introduce yourself. Who are you? What it is you do? Yeah, so uh, Martin Resnick, as you said, for the last six years, I've been talking about chatbots and nobody's been listening to me. Uh, and, and now I'm redundant because everybody's an expert. But um, no, so, <laughs> so what I'm doing at the minute, I'm, uh, I actually founded a job board a couple of years ago that specializes in providing opportunities for people within conversational AI. So I spend a lot of time helping conversational AI professionals um, further and enhance their career. Yeah, amazing. What a what a sweet spot. There you go. You know, when you have faith in your vision, folks, <laughs> just hang on in there because just stick the market, with it. <laughs> market might just turn in your direction. And AI will come. Create, create newness. <laughs> just um, stick with it. Stick with it. Just you know, through thick and thin, you know, and everyone laughing at you, just stick with it. That's amazing. Um, so listen, bit of context. The reason why I wanted to do this topic was actually because I went to RL100 two weeks ago. Uh, thanks for the invite uh, to uh, to Bobby there. Uh, and we were talking about this topic. And it was really interesting for me because it has to be said, the recruitment leadership tier, we're, we're really still at the amazement sort of point um, of, of ChatGBT and stuff like this. And I was thinking, that's great, but it's also not great. Um, because we need to kind of accelerate through this 
Um, and it's very, very important from, my, from my perspective that recruiters really embrace and adopt um, these new tools, techniques, and so forth. Otherwise, we're going to just get wiped out. Um, and I just thought that, you know, the, the TA leadership, and this is no disrespect for anybody in, in the leadership position, but I just wonder whether if you're if you're sort of in charge of a very large department, you're doing all the strategic work, you, you're in the C-level, you're doing all that stuff, you might be so distant from the tooling that you've now kind of got yourself distant from the technology, which now is not the moment because this is this is a big change. You have to dive back into the weeds. Uh, and it was in conversation with Bobby and Sam, actually, that kind of sparked, because you guys knew what you're talking about. I was thinking, holy crap, maybe the people who are on the vendor side actually have just got more initiative, more initiative, more motivation to embrace it now because they can see it as a lease generation opportunity, uh, a way to do marketing more efficiently, a way to do personalization more efficiently. So do dove in and, and maybe uh, three, three, six months or so ahead of where we're at with uh, compared to uh, TA. So hence why you guys are on screen with us today. Um, let's uh, let's talk to you firstly, Bobby. You're, you're, you're managing a, a business that does a lot of marketing um, of course you do. You do events, right? So half of it is putting it on and half of it is getting tickets sold, sponsors in, et cetera. So you must do all the CRM stuff. You do all the marketing stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your journey with generative AI generally and with ChatGBT specifically. When did you encounter it and how have you started mm -hmm. like feathering it into the work you do on the marketing side? Yeah, definitely. Cheers for the hung. Um, we, we do a lot of marketing, like, you know, we're, we're two, three, sometimes four emails, social campaigns a week at the moment. Um, I guess we, we're still in the, the embryonic stage with, with chat GPT, like we've just convinced the marketing team to start using it as a tool. Uh, we use it for a lot of refinement. You know, we, we sanity check, you know, we're, we're in an industry where there's not a huge amount of um, event businesses that work in this space. So sometimes we just need to sound off, right, and make sure that we're, we're delivering the right level of content out to our audience. But yeah, we've, we've used it for a ton of things. Um, I mean, the, the, the one that everyone seems to go to is, you know, writing copy, you know, refining copy and, and getting stuff together like that. And that, that's great. And I think, you know, we've, we've used it for some stuff. Um, I've, got, I've got a good example of why, <laughs> why I feel like this is, is definitely a route that I'm going to keep pursuing myself personally. Um, so the last couple of weeks, we've done a couple of campaigns on LinkedIn for Wreckfest around the ticket sales. Um, I spent an hour and a half writing a LinkedIn post to my wife one evening, getting ready to send it out and really excited. I used emojis, you know, I went full, <laughs> full flood on it. And then um, it ended up getting like six likes and a, a couple of yeah. comments. And uh, I said Crushing. to Vix, oh, it's just heartbreaking, mate. Um, I then went to uh, the marketing team and I was like, right, I'm not spending any time writing this. I'm going to plug it into ChatGPT. I'm going to use the first result that comes out and I'm going to post it. And it got close to 100 likes. Like, and it was it was like for like the same thing. So I don't know what beats I missed, but I, I took a lot of learnings away from that. And I think for me, I think that's at this stage, this early stage, I think that's what we're we're starting to understand is it, it's like it's learning, right? It's, it's increasing the learning curve for our team, like their own development around how they write copy, what what's effective. So when you when you use it to generate something, you know, not, don't just generate it. Ask it what makes it successful, what's going to make it a good post. You know, that that's where the key learnings are for the individuals that are using it. So, as so long you as we guys kind of, are you basically prompt engineers now. Like that's what get, you're doing. It <laughs> get, getting there, yeah, getting Before there. Before breakfast, uh, <laughs> we have a bunch of prompt engineers. We, we, we'll say, be 
prompt engineering 101 make this better for me yeah mm. <laughs> but it, that's actually not bad advice like you could literally yeah. tell it to improve it or if make it more readable yeah. if you if, yeah. if you well, hang, what... if you have the best prompt at heart to start with you don't even have to <laughs> well uh, we, maybe we should do a show on that. Like, what are the best prompts uh, to to actually do for certain use cases? I haven't seen oh, yeah. a library of those created yet, but it probably Haven't would you? be a use, useful thing to try and put together. I, I haven't seen specifically for recruiting, um, but I think it might be useful. I mean, you tell me, audience, would you be interested in the show where we kind of just broke it down and say, here are the best prompts for posting an advert. Here are the best prompts for uh, doing putting together a boolean search here are the best prompts for you know uh, talking screening. to your boss about yeah. a, a raise or something uh, let me know in the comments whether you're interested in that type of show um but okay copy improvement that's the basics right i mean everyone knows how to do that just fire it up up there simply ask the question on what you want to produce at the worst case it's going to save you some typing time and produce a draft for you that you can use but best case, and the best case is not a long shot, it's actually going to produce you like really usable stuff. You can copy paste and do a slight amend and it's mm. out there. Um, and the reason why it knows why copy works is because obviously it's ingested uh, information from stuff that has worked before mm. and therefore it can just replay it faster and better than we can. Um, mm -hmm. So copywriting, obviously a thing that we should use it and adopt. Um, uh, go to you, Martin, on this. Uh, working, I mean, you've got probably more room to kind of experiment in a more radical way simply mm -hmm. because you're working kind of in the specialist role. It, you can almost, you, you can excuse playing with ChatGBT as, as research or as your job. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like, it's all work for you. So well, when you came across this, um, uh, sort of uh, in the first, uh, when you first arrived, um, when was that and, and how have you started feathering it into the work that you do? Oh, it's such a good question. So, so actually, I've been playing around with large language, large language models um, for coming up to three years now, um, because they're, they're not a, a new thing. Um, so so as, as I kind of said, you know, um, in one of our previous um, shows on on chat GPT, um, they're not a new thing. But the fact that OpenAI put a chat uh, interface on the front of a large language model made it as popular as it is. Um, so, so there's lots of things that I'm working on when it comes to large language models, the ones that I think are interesting um, for the audience today. And actually, um, it's something that when when you did those kind of first three sessions on ChatGPT, that a lot of people were saying to me, why hasn't anyone talked about recruitment marketing? Because we were focusing on sources and tech companies and all those kind of things. And ultimately, generative AI is is exactly that it's about generating something generating text from text generating image from text generating text from image so all of this plays really really nicely into the hands of creatives and into the hands of marketers and copywriters and all those kind of things um for me in my world um something that's really cool when you're um without going into the technicalities of building chatbots when you're building chatbots you have to give um for, for conversational AI based chatbots, you have to give it training data. So you have to say, look, here's the 72 different ways that somebody's going to say hello to you. Um, so for me, I can go on to ChatGPT or something similar and say, can you give me the top, can you give me 20 different ways that somebody might want to order a pizza or somebody might want to apply for a job? And I get all of that data and I can throw it straight into my, um, my, my learning algorithms, um, 
within whatever chat or platform I'm building on. And I've got that there. So it speeds up that thought process of going, oh, you know, how would somebody, you know, um, ask this information or how would somebody start this conversation? So designing actual kind of conversations has become a lot easier for us. Um, so for me, that's kind of super interesting. But ultimately, like I said, generative AI is about generating something, whether it be text, image, code, video, um, audio, et cetera, et cetera. So it plays really nicely into the hands of marketers. Yeah, it's about, yeah. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just agreeing with Martin. Like it's definitely about, again, personalization at scale, unique yeah. ads in this case, or unique, you know, candidate experience or unique chat experiences. Well, just as a philosophical point also, uh, we can think of knowledge work, quote unquote, uh, as essentially the production of media uh, of some type, um, right? If you're sitting in front of a keyboard and you're looking at a screen, you are producing some media of some type, some digital output. Um, and here we have this thing, which could be friend or foe, maybe both, because uh, it's here to help us produce more at scale, as you say, Sarah. Uh, at better quality, as you referred to, Bobby. Uh, but is there a, such a point where it becomes so good and so uh, sort of uh, effective that it might actually eat into the world of work? We'll talk about that a little bit later because uh, we're talking more at this point about the um, application of it at this point. So uh, let's go to you, Sam. Um, uh, so you're working uh, probably adjacent on the marketing side, but they're definitely overlapping, right? So you're doing partnership stuff, and you've obviously done sales before in your time. So I think partnerships sits right in between sales, marketing, and CRM. So um, tell us what you've, uh, when you encountered uh, generative AI at Hacker Jobs, and when did you kind of, and what have you done with it in terms of like making it, making your job easier and, and advancing the, the cause for, for, for Hacker Jobs? Yeah, I think first off, you know, um, to Martin's point at the start, there's definitely this kind of Dunning-Kruger effect right now in the marketplace of, um, you know, people kind of wanting to have the expertise and I'm not going to come from that position as if I have it. I think what's really important, Hung, to your point is like that embracing it and engaging with it on your day to day and how can you apply it and, and augment what you're doing. And I think the best example I have personally is um, playbook creation, right? So we're a rapidly growing business um, across multiple markets and I want to make sure we've got a really um, comprehensive and consistent onboarding process. And previously, you know, I'd talk people through, I'd have slides, I'd have, you know, some light guides, but I'm, I'm an orator, right? I like to speak, I like to talk things through, not necessarily document and process. And, you know, Bobby can throw a, a wry smile on my documentation and process because we worked together for so many years. Um, and what ChatPT GPT allowed me to do was essentially take those bullet points, write it through the system, create a series of playbooks. And I had that aha moment, right? I think everybody the first time they touched it was like, this is seriously powerful, right? This is something which is going to change the game. And then I had that secondary aha moment where I was like, you know what, this probably would have taken me a couple of months. It's this is doing my job. Oh, this is doing my job. Um, so I think, you know, as individuals, anybody working in any industry right now, it's like, how can you make sure that you've got a handle on this and you're holding it with both hands and driving that direction forwards? I think in terms of like hacker job as a vendor and, and how we're using it, I'm probably not the person to speak about that. We've definitely got some pieces in our back office where we've been using it. Um, you know, our customers will have seen faster feature rollups for sure, uh, you know, with a, a GitHub Copilot and uh, with ChatGPT, like, you know, it enables engineers to build more amazing things and more amazing features. Um, 
and obviously there's a lot of movement in the space right now and i think that's the that's that tipping point right how can you make sure that what you're doing is something that's truly valuable that's adding to the customer experience that's adding to the candidate experience in a reverse marketplace as opposed to hey guess what we've got chat gpt2 it's a bit like um i can't remember what that um thing was called that social media thing that came out during lockdown our house uh clubhouse clubhouse clubhouse, clubhouse. Yeah. clubhouse right and it's like any of these kind of things the new shiny object and yeah. it's new shiny object and every tool jumps on it and thinks how's clubhouse going to impact recruitment how's mm. x going to impact recruitment yeah i think what is very very different about generative ai as a as a segment and as a kind of movement almost is whenever you show an example whenever you show somebody they go like wide-eyed they can't believe what's in front of them and it's so powerful and largely even if it's inaccurate it looks so accurate in its creation and its display that you could fool somebody anyway so like perception is even more powerful than reality and i think that's the piece for me which you know signals this is something that every vendor and every recruiter and every person in almost every working environment knowledge jobs or not um yeah can can use and i think the the knowledge job or not is an, an example i use i was at a kid's birthday party um <laughs> and all i speak about is generative you AI. My attention. Sitting, there, <laughs> sitting there talking to, to one of the dads and he does shop fitting um he's a project manager and he does shop fitting up and down the country and he goes yeah it sounds great like it looks great um but like how could i use it and i said you know what's your next shop fit and he was like oh it's a pure gym in sutton and actually if pure gym are listening he definitely didn't write the project plan for that uh you know <laughs> dedicated ran through all the normal procedures and he wrote it out and then he started to put the nuance of his industry into it and that's when i was even more blown away it's like so wait a minute this is actually supporting jobs with your hands out there um and actually contingency plans for something goes wrong in stage two and that was yeah again i think outside of recruitment marketing that's why everybody needs to pay attention because um yeah it's, it's definitely a game changer right it's it's one of those internet moments um, um has anyone downloaded the mobile app um on because because I, I had it as a uh kind of a web app on my phone but you, you can actually download it on, on mobile now um mm. uh, for plus uh, anyway I, I pay for it anyway um because uh, I no, I pretend to be ahead of the game by spending money, even though, <laughs> <laughs> even though I, I don't have time to use it. Uh, you, you, you know the the auto music generator thing. I just say, yeah, I'll pay a hundred quid a year. Let's let's give. I'm having to switch it on once. Um, but anyway, it makes me feel a little bit better that I'm on top of it. But what I want, once you can speak to the damn thing, you know, that's mm. what I'm waiting for. Once it goes uh, sort of voice to text and text, yeah. you can actually output then it's great because right now the type i'm getting even annoyed at the typing even though the output mm. is 10 times what i would normally type myself so our expectations are getting increasingly elevated as to yeah. what it's going to output quite back. rapidly you yeah, just yeah. On, 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 i think on, that application um oh, go on martin go go no i was going to say on, on the web app you can just do that because if you've got a smartphone your keyboard or just you can just type talk instead of type no just to yeah and work? I was going to say on that, I was, I was going to say on, yeah. and we've got uh, Michael on call, which would be interesting to get his perspective on it as a tool that records interviews, right? Um, there's obviously tools which record sales conversations. And I know sales yeah, exactly. leaders are, are using those transcripts, you know, to improve mm. that kind of customer um, experience. And actually, you know, can, can you summarize that conversation? Yes. Um, can you then, you know, create the basis of an email response? Yes. Um, with some, you know, fairly basic scripting which you can get from chat gpt itself you know could you connect that conversation 
and create an email that automatically is like pre-prepared after you finish a call. And again, mm -hmm. I think it's crazy. Then how can you make sure that you're spending more time having those conversations with people, using that human interaction, being able to contextualize your environment? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely fascinating. So, so that speech is kind of there, right? You know, you've got mm -hmm. transcripts and tools that are out there. And if you can join the threads up um, or as simply as Martin says, on your keyboard and your phone, right? Mm. This is this is where sort of um, the uh, OpenAI plugin is is so significant because yeah. already I can see. Let's say I have the sales transcription software; it's, it's Honeit or something like that. I'm using um, that spits out some copy uh, that ultimately from the conversation that we've got. Um, I can connect that to Zapier. Let's say Zapier. I can tell Zapier to say, right, take this copy, uh, convert it into an email, and send it to this person. Um, immediately after the call, and then boom, the follow-up is sorted. Um, I mean, how 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 crazy? I mean, I would say someone's probably already implemented that at this point straight well, away. That's a multi-stage process that took time. You know, go ahead. Uh, who's who's going to say it? mine? No, I was going to say you just have to be aware that there are limits to the number of tokens that you can pump through the API at any one time. So anyone who mm -hmm. wants to go and get a, an otter yeah anyone who wants money. to get an otter transcript and throw it into uh chat gpt you're going to be I mean, you know anything more than about four thousand words you're you're going to be stuffed really so uh um so just you you'll then have to split it out which you can do um with or some pdf, it. Or, or PDF mm. it yeah we, um, we, we do that already you know we, we do that so we we will get transcripts from from zoom and we will plug that into exactly. ChatGPT to not yeah. just get yeah. feedback, but to like write a follow-up email. Exactly. Like, there'll have to be a follow-up email and we'll send it across. I think that for me, the exciting thing in the future, and Hung, you mentioned the plugins there. I mean, the second HubSpot has a proper in-depth plugin for ChatGPT. The, the possibilities for workflows, which is what I'm excited about, is endless, right? You think about mm -hmm. how consumers use uh, decision trees with email marketing and make it infinite. That's exactly what you're going to get. Yeah. Has, has anybody used the plugin yet? I, I've, I've applied and joined the waitlist. Nothing's happening. So I've, I've had a play around, um, and um, and I've seen I've seen a lot of other people having play arounds as well. But but I don't think it's really available yet commercially. So uh, um, everyone's waiting for it. Yeah. If you're sort of watching this, whether you're on LinkedIn or on Crowdcast, or on Facebook or Twitter, wherever you're watching this, let me know whether you've got access to, to the plugins. I think there's a waitlist. You can't just use it, right? So um, uh, if you've got access, let me know. I mean, have you done anything interesting with it? Um, uh, it would be cool to you know surface some examples to how it's made things a bit more efficient. It seems to me the certain keystone apps that are going to work, like the Zapiers of this world. Zapier, mm -hmm. by the way, is, a, is is an app that plugs in other apps that can kind of create uh, sort of uh, trigger mm -hmm. event triggers, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can imagine this changing how companies build software now because you're going to have to build a plugin that's suitable for, yeah, for it's almost like a new app store has been rolled out without Apple or Android even being aware exactly. of it. You yeah. just like, rolled it out, and it's a small startup, and now everyone's got to think, oh shit, we have to build so it so that we can interact with this because everyone mm. is going to use it. Um, crazy, well, just but imagine, me, yeah, go, on, Sarah. go, Martin. Oh, no, sorry, no, but I 
to me, I'm just like tying the whole the whole topic together. To me, I mean, yes, open AI is generative AI. It's basically it has no intelligence. It's just like you know putting the puzzle together. So coming in for this angle with with us in in TA, it's basically around being the prompters. Whatever tech we are utilizing here, we need to be like bold enough to not ju just do the basics. Like the basic prompter ever would be craft me a sales pitch from this Zoom meeting, right? Now it's about whatever mood you might be after that meeting, like the personalization down to detail level, you know, acknowledging the details that the prospect said or whatever. So um, I'm, I, I think we should be far beyond just like, you know, using it as a machine, but more again, like how can this be me, mm -hmm. you know, as me? So, so you're not just you, prompting it for the facts. And, and just on that point, you know, I think it's that, you know, you go back to Voltaire and the French Revolution, right? It was always that phrase of, you know, judge a man by his questions rather than by his answers. And I think it, it's very much, you know, it is the prompt that you're putting in and it is the way in which you're asking the question. That's how humans are still involved, right? We still have a better processing power than the biggest supercomputer exactly. to contextualize the situation around us and ask the right questions. It's, mm. you know, can we augment and, and can we make those answers better or faster? Yeah, and I think that's really interesting to your point, Hang. You said before we were marketing, you said like, oh, AI will be, you know, revolutionizing how we make sure that we have the perfect like ad creation or this is canned experience. But like sometimes, yes, we use generative AI with our, you know, unique proposition when we design, you know, the canned experience and these different ad campaigns. But at some points, the humans are still better because we can do different analyzers or we have different like knowledge within this mm -hmm. field. So it's not just the machine. It's always the combination or how you're prompting or like leveraging uh, the processes. This is this is exactly the point of um, what Microsoft has done with their with their copilot. Um, so it's about plugging in your organization's data graph, your um, your large language model, um, and your Office 365 productivity apps, and saying, okay, well now I've got a copilot, a, a conversational copilot that has reach over that. Still not going to make the final decisions on things, but it's about saying, you know, bring me up data for this customer over the last 12 months and, you know, put this into an Excel sheet and, and you know, do this analysis on it. So it's 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 going back to the pure basics of, of, of automation, which is removing the grunt work, removing the stuff that ultimately is low value thinking time um, and allowing uh, an AI co-pilot to do that for you so that you can do the higher value things, mm -hmm. like Sarah said, in terms of, you know, um, you know, making those more kind of human-based decisions or or intuitions that AI just yet can't do. Did, did anyone hear Sam Sam Atwell? Uh, I can't remember what po podcast he was on, but a couple of months ago, he, he kind of talked about his vision for what he saw ChatGPT being in the future for for white collar workers. And one example stood out with me, and and I still think about it to this day. But uh, we all know Google has that feature, right, where it can recommend like the next couple of words to a sentence, potentially finish off an email or whatnot. He said in the future, he'd want you to wake up in the morning, log into your inbox, have all of your emails prioritized like in terms of importance based off the date you've got and three or four responses drafted up, you know, positive and negative and a neutral and, you know, potentially a, a fourth one, uh, which you just you just choose. Which one do you want to send? Which one do you want to go back to those clients? But they're using the language and the data from the hundred thousand plus emails that you've sent, you know, mm. from that inbox, essentially. Exactly. You know, so. That, that that then leads into, and this is uh, just a, a dream I had quite recently, actually, where um, we... Uh, Dreaming we, we about ChatGPT now. <laughs> no, no, We've all been a, there. I had a dream that we uh, we plugged in all of the data from Slack and my email account, and then we just set up a Slack chatbot 
that was just powered by chat GPT and just answering questions from the team. I, I didn't have to be there. It was scary. It was scary. Well, I mean, I mean, then you go back to that Black Mirror episode, right? I don't know if you yeah. know anybody watched Black Mirror, exactly. and it is almost exactly that from a few years ago. <laughs> you know, your partner dies, you log all of the conversations, you get all of their language models, you put them into a, you know, a synthetic body. Um, and that person lives on forever and responds in the same it's, way, right? It's, it's, done. it's done, it's done, now. It's done in the real world now. Yeah, it's, the, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Ha it's happened already. Did um, you, I, I saw an example earlier today, actually, about this. This guy actually wrote what he called a grief bot. Um, and it was about, I think it was his grand grandfather had passed on. Um, but he fed the information, is sort of the, the, his grandfather's speaking style into the language model. Uh, it, it, essentially to 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 then mm. have a conversation with his grandfather who had passed mm. on and he said ultimately he deleted the bot afterwards because he said he just wanted to have closure on it but he just was quite disturbed also um that he was interacting with uh, a sort of an entity that spoke like his grandfather now you can imagine this actually going forward like the immortality is the digital immortality is is going to happen i mean you've seen the interview that joe rogan did with steve jobs um, which was obviously entirely fake. But mm -hmm. if you were listening to the first time, you would have no clue because uh, Steve Jobs, it was definitely him. Uh, or shall we say it was his tenor, it was his pitch. Uh, it was it was his, it was everything he, uh, as he would deliver it. And then it was Joe Rogan, who obviously I haven't heard of. Uh, and then they, they mashed together. So we're at this really strange place where it's almost like the, the heroes that we used to have in the pre-AI era, I think... Yeah, they've already been established. I think the movie star is finished, for instance, um, think... because we're going to prefer, like, I want to see Marilyn Monroe. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I want to see John Wayne have a fight with, you know, Rock Hudson whilst Marilyn Monroe's <laughs> riding King Kong or something. Like, you can see that. <laughs> See, you know, we were worried about prompt engineers, but there's one. Right so you could create that movie. You could absolutely <laughs> create that movie. And there's no human actor is going to be better than seeing all that stuff. Um, because so I think that ultimately, have we reached the point where British personal branding is over? Because you can just draft in brands from like history. Um, mm. Have a think about that if you're marketing, right? Like, what so, if you manage to create a deal with the avatar of Einstein or something? Um, and, you know, uh, that's your spokesperson. Um, possible, there's, right? There's a, there's, there's a couple of points that, that I'd like to make on that, actually. Um, the first one is, is that obviously, if anyone's seen the, the, the latest Top Gun um, movie, um, you might not know, but Val Kilmer's voice was all AI generated because he's got throat cancer. Um, so... Um, so, so that's just an interesting tidbit there around what you were saying, um, Hung. But actually what this does is it opens up some really interesting moral and ethical um, questions yeah, right. that have been yeah. debated you know, within the industry. Um, you know, Microsoft recently announced that they've got a, an AI model that can regenerate somebody's voice with three seconds of audio sampling. Um, so for voice biometrics, you know, some banking systems you know, will only... Um, will only let you into your, your your bank account, you know, if you can prove you, you are who you are through voice banking. Um, so voice biometrics, totally and utterly destroyed by this. Yeah, and there's so much, um, you know, and, and, you know, on, on your on your Facebook group, you know, yesterday I posted up about the, um, the latest report from Stanford about um, AI, and there's a lot of information in there around some of the darker sides um, of, of what's going on with deep fakes and, and mm. all those kind of things. So there's a lot of 
moral and ethical questions around AI. You know, we've seen lots of negative news items recently about, you know, unfortunately a man committing suicide because he was talked into it by an AI, um, all those kind of things. And and so so whilst we kind of talk about the the positives in terms of generating, we also need to think about the negatives in terms of generating as well. Um, and exactly. you know, not only the 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 terrible things I mentioned, but also things like copyright issues that are going on and and all those kind of things. So there are some some pros and cons when it comes to AI that we need to be reticent of and we really need to think about as well um, and open up that discussion. And I think you could spend weeks and months and 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 honestly, you know, governments need to be having these conversations. Big tech needs to be having these conversations. Mm. Obviously, there was that, yeah. you know, open letter signed. I think on the lighter side, because there's obviously a lot of ethical issues around it. On the lighter side, I saw something really heartwarming in the week, which was a chat GPT plugin for somebody who was visually impaired. And essentially yeah. they could bring their phone to the fridge. Um, and it scanned all the items in the fridge and not just told them what was in the fridge, the best before dates, those types of things, but actually suggested recipes and, you know, where to reach in the fridge to get those items and really mm. guided, you know, an individual uh, around their own home for, you know, became their eyes. Right. And I think those um, sort of advancements in medical um, care, you know, could be exponential. Right. So I think, on you know, there's always two sides to it. Oh, it's a bit like yeah. the Internet. Right. Uh, you know, the Internet definitely had this, um, you know, two way battle um, exactly. when it first kind of came to light. And it's lived on. But that, that also right? comes that, back to the prompting. Debate. I mean, I mean, not sharing sensitive information. It's back to the prompting. So you have to be quite general in what you teach it with as, as well. So, yeah, good point. I think the, I mean, it's interesting where we're at um, because the ethics of it is something we'll talk about. In fact, we'll talk about that in a minute because we're running out of time as we always do. Folks, we always want to try and do this in the middle of every show. We're going to keep doing it um, simply because Brain Food Live does have to come off air. I know it's like <laughs> tragic that happens, but yes, we do need to come off air at, at some point. Um, however, it's meant to be a conversation starting show. It should never be a bottleneck for the conversation. So um, if you've enjoyed the chat so far, uh, now is the time for you to connect with everyone else who's part of this show. So take a moment, get a hold of your LinkedIn URL and put it into the chat stream on Crowdcast if you're watching it here. If you're watching it on LinkedIn, um, take a, your, your personal LinkedIn URL and share it into the comment thread there, and then make sure you connect with everyone who's done likewise. Uh, worst case scenario is that you exit from this conversation, not only like entertained and informed, but also you can walk away five, five, six, seven, half a dozen people or so that you can follow up with and have that conversation going forward. Um, by the way, there's regulars on this show that turn up every week, and I'm sure they're walking away with like boosted, boosted networks uh, as a result of this. Um, so please take advantage of it. Uh, go ahead and share, uh, but don't forget to connect with everybody. Uh, send those requests. Um, okay, uh, let's. Uh, we're going to do questions in a minute. So if you've got any questions for the uh, for the panelists, please use ask a question feature at the bottom of the screen. If you're on LinkedIn, just ask a question on comments. We're going to get to that in a second. Um, let's talk a little bit about sort of where we stand on the ethics side before we hit those questions. Um, uh, obviously, the open letter. Quite interesting to see where the polling was. I did. A, I don't know whether you saw. It, I did a poll on for the recruiting breakthrough community. Two hundred votes. Um, and there was, if I might as well pull it up, I think there was um, something like 58% um, of recruiters said, you know what, we don't want to pause uh, the, uh, the advancement, the innovation rate, we want to keep pushing forward, um, but we do want to potentially tap the brakes a bit. 
uh, on this. In other words, slow it down. So it seems that every every day something happens and it's like stunning. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Should there be some sort of break? Or do you think, you know what, this has crashed through? Bill Gates has just come out, I think, a, week, a couple of days ago and said, listen, actually six months ain't going to do much. Uh, firstly, you can't police it. Someone else is going to crash you anyway. And secondly, what the problem you think you're going to solve in six months is still going to be there. Uh, so mm -hmm. you might as well rush through it. Forward, only forward. What's your views on this? Let's go with you first, Martin. Um, do we just slow down, speed up, let it just hands free it? What's, what's your view? Uh, just take the handbrake off and let it go. I think um, I, th I think ultimately OpenAI is only one organization doing this out of many. Um, yeah. You're not going to be able to stop innovation. And why stop innovation? Um, just get on with it, um, see where it goes. Um, but just, just have a sensible brain on you as you go through mm. it. Yep, very good. How about you, Sam? What's your thoughts? Free market economics, what's ever gone wrong? Um, you know, I think that the challenge here is, you know, it does it disproportionately, um, you know, impact society. And I think that's why it's we need to be careful moving into this next space. But it's impossible to be so right in the same way as the, the Internet age that you, you can't put guardrails on something. I think the only thing that will slow the pace potentially is legislation. Um, an action, you know, that governments can take. But even then, you know, there'll still be people accessing and, and using because it's powerful, right? So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, so basically, practical impediment um, is going to be impossible to stop. Uh, how about you, Bobby? What's your attitude to this? Uh, yeah, I mean, full steam ahead, right? Like, it's no, the internet created a gateway where Content's out there, coding's out there. You're not going to stop it. Right? Ultimately, there's always a, always a way around things. Um, I know that OpenAI, when they launched specifically, the reason they held back on, sorry, yeah, uh, OpenAI, the reason they held back on the Open API was because of the risk like, of that getting out, right? So they, they refused to put it out. And even now, you know, you have to apply for it, you go for a process, and, th and then eventually you get what you need to do. You, you can't just grab that link and start working on it. So, yeah, I think there is, um, they're, they're, they're being cautious and others will be as well, but ultimately, you're never going to stop it. Well, actually, arguably, uh, Google were caught short because they did throttle <laughs> it. Um, because they did have remember DeepMind and remember all mm. that stuff. They actually had all of this in the locker, uh, but they never they never productized it in in a sufficient way. Uh, you could argue that's because you know Google haven't been shipping anything for for years. Uh, you could argue on that side. But you could also argue maybe they were deeply had some deep ethical issues that didn't overcome it, and they basically got gazumped by OpenAI. And now they're and it eats into out. ad revenue, and it yeah. eats into <laughs> ad revenue massively, right? You know, it's an ad-free yeah. search at the moment. That's mm. right. That's right. Sarah, let's go to you. Found word. Just slow this down. Just speed it up. What do you do? Get tech comfortable. Make technology your best friend, and just be like cautious around it. Know what you're prompting. Again, you're feeding it, so be be cautious what your know, sensitive information you're putting in. But this was radically, yeah. I mean, they will change your methods forever. So be aware, be cautious, be conscious. Like you know, be on it, not being afraid of letting it stopping you. You're already. I mean, you're not going to be changed out by a machine, but you will absolutely 100% be sort of in competition with someone who are tech comfortable. Yeah, get tech comfortable. So I've just imagine it on a surfboard. You can't stop the wave. Just get good <laughs> no. on the board, folks. That's yeah. what you got to do, you know, get good on the board. Uh, okay, let's get on to these questions here. We've got three of them coming coming in, so I'm just going to do them in order. So we've got uh, a question from Tushar Modessa. Uh, Tushar, what are your thoughts on video content through campaigns? 
Uh, how easy is it and how can you personal how can personalization still be factored in so i guess one of the arguments is is that actually video is a good way uh, to still do the authenticity because it's Absolutely. basically harder to fake even if there is defake opportunities it's simply harder to produce certainly more expensive so but how do how, how does the video might more prominent in this case so how uh, easy is it to get video into campaigns and and how can you personalize it is it, is it does it have to be one to many um let's go uh, go on sarah you answer this one well, so in our case, we're more working with like uh, motion ads per se. So for instance, we're fetching all the jobs, you know, for the ATSs and they are not the sexiest ones building in the ATS. You have to, again, build a canned experience for each platform. So for TikTok example, I mean, for, for example, or in, in real format on, on Instagram, that is what's needed, right? So it is absolutely possible um, when you're just like taking items or titles that could be sort of built into autom animation. So it's 100 percent possible but in terms of like it, making a whole movie like we're, we're not we're not there but we are making it like digestible in another feature basically so it actually stands out in the feed yeah yeah very good so there's ways to do video um you can basically animate stuff you can stitch a bunch of images yeah. together that's an animation so you don't necessarily yeah. need like a person's face you can definitely uh do it more efficiently than perhaps we assume um, okay, let's move on. Uh, we have a question from Florentia. Uh, Florentia is saying, okay, how do you uh, think of having 24 by 7 platforms with personalized videos to answer questions from candidates? Do you think it would be achievable? So this is a vision, right? So mm. let's say it's an FAQ, but there's an avatar there. Um, uh, actually, right. is it a personalized video? I mean, maybe it's just someone like me, uh, that you know, a deep fake hung or something answering back Tengai Hung. um Tengai Hung. uh is that even possible i don't know that's a cool um, name Tengai Tengai Hung. Hung. that's a sound, <laughs> sound of a band um okay um Tengai, by the way one of our one of our friends in sweden they've just released this product haven't they yeah um yeah. which is essentially a avatar that can respond um with with kind of chat gbt type responses but vocalized and then with mm. the animated videos so i think that's available. Check them out. Um, okay, uh, let's find a question again from Florence here. Um, in your opinion, are we very far away? Uh, are we very far from AI being more inclusive? So this is a very important question. Where are we with DE and I when it comes to yeah. AI? Um, let's. Uh, we've got time for everyone to have an answer at this. So keep it brief, please. But have, what's your thoughts on answering this question? Let's go to you, Martin. Firstly. Um, I, I, I refute the notion that um, AI is biased because of the people that are developing it are biased. Um, I think that I've proven recently through um, a video comparing different prompts that you can actually create content that removes bias language. So I don't, I, I, I don't actually think AI is biased. I think it's just based on how you use it. Prompt. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Very good. So Martin, strong defense. Uh, it doesn't matter about the demographics of the people building it um, uh, as much as people assume, um, because you can still uh, configure the output by your prompts to produce the output you want. Okay, Bobby, your answer to this question. Yeah, very similar. I mean, I think you only have to look at the data set that it's learning on, right? Instinctively, all data is going to be biased in some form. Like it's just how you work with that to get the best results. And I agree, you know, I see a lot of companies, uh, you know, raining on the parade of, of ChatGPT because it's biased, but ultimately they're putting in one prompt and they're going, right, that's my copy. And they're not asking it questions and not doing dialogue. So yeah, I, I agree 100%. I don't think it matters. You can work with the data you've got. Yeah, so basically, look, we, we have to accept 
that the training data is going to be biased because it's basically ingested from some biased source. It's impossible yeah. to have a bias-free yeah. set of data. Um, mm -hmm. Therefore, um, the outputs are always going to be uh, skewed in that way. It's up to you as the user to produce the output you want. Okay, Sam, your thoughts on this question? Yeah, I, I unfortunately lean in the other camp. I think because there's so much training data that is based on more developed economies with you know wider access to um, education, with wider access to internet access, producing more, um, I suppose, university grade documentation. Like, I think it's inherently biased. Um, and obviously, the, the language learning model is largely based on English language, right? Um, because it is the most commonly used online. So. Uh, yeah, I think there's inherent bias there. And I think for it to be inclusive, everybody needs internet access, right? Everybody needs access to the same level of chat GPT. And there's a price tag for having mm. unlimited prompts, right? And yeah. then you think there's price tags to every AI tool that's out there. And you need, you know, access to high speed internet, you know, to, to run proper, like full on programs, if it's video editing or creation. So I think it's naturally got its barriers, which you know, in the same way the internet has. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of my view. Yep. Thank you, Sam, for popping the bubble and getting us out of the uh, out of the echo chamber. Absolutely right. ChatGBT, guess what? It's in English. It is predominantly being built by English language first software engineers, and it's ingesting English language first internet. Um, mm. So is there an Arabic ChatGBT, for instance? Do we know about that? Um, uh, we need to see it um, because otherwise, as you say, Sam, it's basically feeding off um, a, a single culture's a way of thinking around the world. What we probably need, if we're brave enough, is to think about a world where we have a diverse set of AIs uh, coming from different sort of language groups, different cultures and different sort of uh, 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 historical contexts. And maybe they can interact with each other in some way. Um, you know, An that AI be... aggregator, a cross-culture <laughs> AI aggregator. Yeah. Oh, and watch well, out for the AI feminist. I'm looking forward to her. Right. Feminists, mm -hmm. get building it. It'll be, it'll be amazing to see it. Why all not the have... historic moments with women. Whoa, look out. Like eliminate all the men from the training data. Like all this stuff, I think it'd be, it, I would have no problem with it. It's like, so long as you know what that is coming from this angle, it'd be like, okay, straight away you would know it's coming from from here and it could be useful like contribution to the voices and the opportunities that we all have sarah final word to you your thoughts on this um are we very far away from ai being inclusive where are we now where, where, what's the situation it's a good question absolutely um i think it's it sits with you you're sort of the the author of the machine again so if you're not aware again about your prompting that's the problem in itself you have to be super cautious when you're prompting and you have to be sort of not trusting in the first possible answer because it's not intelligent enough so you have to be like aware where, where it's coming from and challenge that and perhaps also feed it inclusively back yeah absolutely and there's some evidence that that's already happened um i don't know whether when the very first sort of uh uh, a ChatGPT was released. Obviously, there's a bunch of right wingers in the US started interrogating it, um, and they they surfaced the, 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 the very first claims against inclusivity was actually from the right wing that was saying, "Look, this is too woke," which is why, <laughs> which is why Elon Musk was banging on about truth GPT or something. Um, so, and by the way. Uh, what's the reinforcement? It's reinforcement learning through human sort of ed editing or whatever. So there's a human being there saying, no, don't give me that answer. Give me this answer. So we're already trying to remove bias from it. But then 
bias is kind of working in a kind of hierarchical opposite. There's, you go up a level, there's someone else mm. that's going to point that your debiasing effort is itself mm. bias. Um, so we have a kind of a never-ending uh, uh, infinite regression there. All right, listen, lots to think about. Thank you very much for your questions. Um, I think we're out of time here, folks. So I hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, thank you very much for taking part. Um, uh, great to see our guest, Martin Redstone. Uh, Sam Berto, uh, Bobby Leonard, and Sarah Dalsfeld. Thank you so much for joining us on this. Um, follow the channel if you're interested in this type of conversational content. We'll be back after the Easter break. We are going to be talking about generative AI again. Uh, this time we are going to be talking about particular prompt examples that you can use for recruiting. Uh, so we're going to be building a library of prompts for the activity of recruiting. Make sure you sign up for that. If you are a recruiter and want to dive in, this is the show for you. We'll be back on Friday next week. Um, so that's it from us. Uh, have a very good Easter holiday break, folks. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for having me. Good to see Thank you, you all. Thank you for having us, Hung. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Bye. Wasn't that great, folks? Um, hope you enjoyed it. Um, I have got a few more calls to make, but then it is also a break for me. So have a very good Easter, folks. I'll see you back on... Actually, I'll see you on Wednesday, uh, Sunday. I'm sitting in the other one.